Alleluia, Christ is risen. But what do you say to someone who's not so convinced that he's risen indeed? Say you get someone like Thomas who says, eh, I don't know about this resurrection thing. I've been asked by a few people recently, Pastor, how do you share your faith with someone? And I thought today is a great day to talk about that because our scriptures give us some insight. And let me say, you know, I've noticed that there tends to be three main ways that people try to share their faith with someone else. And the first is, you could try to put the fear of hell into them. Yeah, literally. You see billboards like this one where it says, you know, where are you going, heaven or hell? If you are going to die tonight, do you know where you will end up? And what always intrigues me about signs like that is that if someone doesn't believe in Jesus to begin with, what are the odds they believe in hell? Right? Trying to sell an atheist on salvation from hell is like trying to sell shark repellent in Switzerland. It's just not a lot of need for it, right? And so the second option is what I see people do sometimes, is promise people prosperity in Christ. We got, uh, you, get, you see signs like the six keys to guarantee biblical wealth and prosperity. And here's the thing, I do believe that if you try to follow Jesus and live a good, honest life of self-moderation and service to others, you will generally have what you need to get by in life. I do believe that. But here's the trick. The trick with the, the pitch on prosperity is this uh, idea that you will have absolutely everything you desire. You will have health, you will have wealth, and the sales point in it is usually, look, I've got my life all together, and so if you follow Jesus like I do, you can live the life that I live. And I see three problems with this. The first is, I don't know if you've seen my life, but it's not all together, right? Like, <laughs> I, and I know most of you in this congregation, right? So like, let's, let's not try to sell people on how perfect our lives are, yeah? <laughs> all right, the second problem is this. There's a lot of rich, happy, good-looking people out there who aren't Christians. You very clearly do not need to follow Jesus to, you know, to get a lot of likes on Instagram. The third problem is that Jesus says if you follow him, you're not necessarily going to end up rich, healthy, and happy. Today we hear in 1 Peter, Peter is writing to Christians who have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire a generation after Jesus, and he says very explicitly, you are, for a time, experiencing a lot of trials. And if you look at what happens to Jesus' disciples, out of the... There's 13 eventually, because one of them gets replaced. Judas, right? He gets replaced. So out of the 13, only one of them dies a natural death. And say you look at the person who is perhaps the best, most godly person... Jesus, spoiler alert, what happens to him, right? And so I don't think the promise of prosperity is actually the best pitch to share your faith with someone. And so if the first two are you can, you can put the fear of hell into people and you can promise them for the prosperity of the gospel, the third thing you can do is show people your scars. And I'll admit, this seems like a weird one, but it has the benefit of it's what Jesus does. It also has the benefit of it's what the doubting person, Thomas, 
actually asks for. What he wants to see are the wounds of Jesus to be able to stick his finger where the nails went, to put his hand into the place where the spear stabbed Jesus' side. And as strange as that may seem for why that would help inspire your faith, the reason is simple, right? Say you're flying on an airplane, you're up, uh, you know, accelerating not quite to 30,000 feet, and, and suddenly... Uh, an engine goes out on your airplane, or say a bird strikes it or something, and, and suddenly the other engine goes out, and suddenly you realize this plane is losing altitude, and you also realize underneath you is not a runway, that you're over the middle of the ocean. In this moment, who do you want piloting your plane? Do you want someone who's had a perfect flight record, who's never experienced any problems in the cockpit, never had any malfunctions, that always just took off and landed, not a problem whatsoever? Or do you want Captain Sully, who's been hit by a bird and landed his plane in the middle of water? Right? You want the guy who's done it before. And this is what's going on with Thomas. Because, you see, if Jesus doesn't have wounds, it means one of two things. One, it means Jesus wasn't really crucified, right? It was just a, a big show he put on, fool the Romans, you sneak out. And, and that's great. I also love a, a, a clever folk hero like Robin Hood who can escape the sheriff of Nottingham. And, and maybe Robin Hood can teach me a thing or two. But the most that he can teach me is how to avoid death for just a little bit longer. The other thing that Jesus not having wounds means is that Jesus is so powerful, being crucified didn't affect him. It didn't leave a scar, no lasting damage, you know. Uh, the joke is, what did Jesus give up to save my soul? He gave up his weekend. He's back now, people, just three days in the tomb. Yeah, yeah. But the problem with that, right, is to say, if Jesus is so powerful, the crucifixion doesn't phase him... What good news is that for me? Because I'll tell you what, if I get nailed to a cross, it's going to leave a mark. Yeah? Jesus saying, hey, crucifixion didn't bother me, won't bother you either, is like those bodybuilders who try to sell me on protein supplements and are like, if you drink this protein shake, you can look like I do. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, think, that's, I don't think that's what's going to solve the problem. No. What Thomas knows is that death is coming for him. Death is coming for him. It's coming for everyone he loves. Death is even going to come for every relationship he has in life, even before he reaches the grave, because someone is going to betray someone else, and most of the time that someone is him, because he was the one who abandoned Jesus when the guards came. He was the one who left Jesus to die on the cross. Thomas knows that he is in a plane that is in a nosedive. And he's not just worried about sticking the landing. He's convinced that he's going to crash and burn. And so what Thomas needs in a savior is someone who knows how to crash and burn and still return. And so when Thomas doubts that death can be defeated... Jesus shows up and shows Thomas the scars of surviving death. To Thomas and his doubts, Jesus doesn't offer 
promises of rewards. He doesn't offer arguments based on logic. He doesn't offer the fear of hell. To Thomas and his doubts, what Jesus offers are his wounds. What he offers are the signs that he has suffered firsthand the consequences of sin. That his body has been dealt the destruction that comes from death. This is what Jesus offers Thomas. He offers Thomas the proof that he knows what it is to suffer as Thomas has. And that he is still standing. And that he can give Thomas a word of peace even seeing Thomas betray him, even seeing the worst sin that Thomas has to his name, Jesus can show up and say, peace be with you. And when Jesus does that for Thomas, Thomas's response is to say, my Lord and my God. Thomas is the very first person, in fact, the only person in all four Gospels, who will call Jesus God. And it's because Jesus shows him his wounds. It's because Jesus shows him that he has suffered and died and has come back to share a word of peace. That's what gives Thomas faith. And the thing is, Jesus still shows up to people. He still shows up to people and shows them his wounds. The trick is the form he takes is yours. And the scars that he shows people are yours. Because here's the thing, when someone asks you, why is it that you believe in Jesus? Do what Jesus does. Show people your scars. Show people your wounds. And I don't just mean your physical ones, although you can start there. The word trauma, which we use to describe the the psychological pain that we've experienced in life. The word trauma is just a Greek word that literally means wounds. When it says that Jesus shows Thomas his wounds, in Greek it literally says Jesus shows Thomas his traumas. Show people that you too have known the consequences of sin, that you too have been destroyed by death in this life, and then show people that you still stand and that you can share with them a word of peace. And I want to be clear with this because some people hear this and they go, great, I'm just going to go like find a stranger on the street and I'm going to start telling them all my problems. And to say, no, there's, like a, there's a way to do this, right? A time and a place and a method. And to say, Jesus, right, he shows up to people who want to see his wounds. He shows up to the disciples who have dedicated themselves to following him and are now very confused about the suffering that they've seen and are going through themselves. Jesus shows up to Thomas who literally asks, hey, I want to see these wounds to those people. To the people who say, why is it that you believe? How is it that you can see the suffering that exists in this world and still have faith to those people? To the people who truly want to know. Show them your wounds. 
Show them your scars. And Jesus shows us a pattern for how to do this, because when he shows up to his disciples, he starts off by saying, peace be with you. And then he shows them his wounds. And then he repeats a second time, peace be with you. All right? It gives us a very simple pattern. It goes like this. Peace, wounds, peace. Got that? Say it with me. Peace, wounds, peace. And it goes like this. Someone goes, hey, I hear you're a Christian. I see a lot of problems in this world. How can you believe in a good and loving God? And you say, well, let me tell you what. At this moment in my life, I have peace. And I trust that you can too. But let me tell you what. I, had, I have peace now, but I also have scars. And then let them know that you too have suffered in life. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've dealt with addiction. Maybe you've had a loved one die. Let them know that you have experienced the destruction of death, and then tell them that you have peace now. And tell them who it was who gave you that peace. Tell them who it was who allows you to stand today, who it was that met you in the depths of hell, and who it was that raised you up. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them about the peace. Tell them about the wounds. And tell them about the peace that you have in Jesus. And some of you right now are saying to me, Pastor, that sounds real good, but I don't have any peace. Peace? I don't got that. I got a lot of wounds, sure, but like, where's the, where's the healing that I'm supposed to tell other people about? And I say, oh, okay. It sounds like you do have someone who is asking you, where's the resurrection? You do have someone who is doubting your faith. That person is you. Well, good news. The same strategy, it works for yourself, too. Peace wounds peace. It goes like this. So I'm, I'm going to give you homework. I don't usually do this. I'm not, I'm not big on like giving you assignments each week. Yeah? I usually let you figure that out on your own. But here's the deal. I'm going to be gone next Sunday. Yeah? And I've asked someone else to stand up here and preach, and I know what she's going to preach on. And it's the same basic thing. It's peace, wounds, peace. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do, because someone else in your midst is going to do it also. This week, I want you to be honest with yourself. Maybe as you take a shower or you get ready for bed, as you look at yourself in the mirror, look at your scars. Start with the ones on your body and remind yourself, hey, how did I get that? Look at the scars and the wounds that are in your soul, those traumas, and ask yourself, hey, where did that come from? And then, when you have done that, give thanks. Because here's the truth. Every single one of those scars is a promise placed on your body that God got you through that moment of pain. God got you through that moment of suffering. God got you through that death that you experienced, and you are standing here today to look in that mirror and ask about it. Those scars are a promise placed on your body. 
First Peter today tells the people he writes to, hey, you're going to suffer time of trial for a while. And he says it's like a refining fire. A refining fire, that which, you know, if you're trying to get pure gold, it's usually found mixed in with a bunch of other metals. And so what you do is you heat it up until everything melts down and then at the melting you can separate the gold from all the impurities. First Peter says the trials we go through now are like a refining fire for our faith because having experienced the trials in our life that we have gotten through, we know that God can get us through our trials. So that when you look at yourself and you say, okay, these are the scars that I've had and that I've healed from, then you look at yourself and say, here are the wounds that are still open." Here's where I'm still bleeding. Here's where I'm still raw. And look at those wounds and also give thanks. Give thanks because those wounds are promises in the making. Promises that they will someday be scars. That someday you will Be healed even of this by the God who has healed you of everything else that you have gone through. That the God who has gotten you this far will get you there. And so look at your wounds and give thanks that you have a God who will get you through the grave, death, and even hell. So that when you doubt death, when you doubt the power to defeat death, Let Jesus show you the scars of survival. May you show them to others. May you know them for yourself. So that when you have doubts, you may say like Thomas, my Lord and my God. Alleluia, Christ is risen.